We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't start the fire. And when we are gone, it will still burn on. Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio, Joe McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studebaker, Television, North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe. You have not started an episode <laughs> like that. Also, I feel like that would be the theme song of the Adventists. Yes, exactly. You know. That the fire's been burning. We didn't make this mess. No. It's always been here. It's going to keep on being here after we're gone unless we stop it. Yeah. Put out that fucking fire. This is our only shot. This is our only shot. It's been a minute. You mean the 12 fluid ounces of pure tourmaline, citric acid, magnesium, carbonated water, sodium bicarbonate, magnesium carbonate, colors. It just says colors? Yeah. Caffeine, aspartame, acosulfame K, xanthan gum, niacinamide, pyroxene. Wait, niacinamide? I put that on my face. I mean, it's a vitamin. It's vitamin B. Never forget. Oh, vitamin B12 is in this. And calcium pantothenate. And it contains phenylalanine. And there's a very... Oh, if you're phenylketonuric, you can't have phenylalanines. What the fuck is that? The disease... It's one of the... One of the things that I, like, remember imprinting on my mind, like, I think earliest in, like, AP Bio or something. It was, like, a side lecture where, like, the disease is called PKU. And I forget exactly what it is, but, like, that's the thing. You know, like, Jumpalahiri sticks with you. Yeah. PKU and phenylalanines stick with me. Oh, thalidomide sticks with me from we didn't start the fire hypodermics on the shore china's under martial law rock and roller cola wait that's the wrong stanza wheel of fortune sally ride heavy metal suicide children of thalidomide we didn't and i was like thalidomide oh and then i found out what that was yeah also a chemical or like a thing that they were giving pregnant women that was causing major birth defects oops or (laughs) oops (laughs) We're sorry. My body has no problem processing phenylalanine. Same. I am 85% LaCroix <laughs> with its forever chemicals, allegedly. Wait, LaCroix has things other than yeah. water in it? There was like some kind of report. One of our listeners actually sent me a link to a story of like the, the biggest flavored soda waters and the levels at which forever chemicals occur. No. Which are chemicals that never break down, never leave your body. They no. only ever accumulate. I've drank so much LaCroix. I know. I mean, I'm a I'm a solid 75, maybe 80, 85% LaCroix, and then the rest is Diet Coke. Oh, no, Brad. So I'm just preserving myself for the afterlife. I'm in terrible shape. <laughs> I never told you about the epiphanies that I had at those art parties last week. Right. So last week was freeze week here in LA. So we're at this party last mm-hmm. week that Brett bailed last minute because he Tell needed to why. edit our podcast. Tell them, yeah. Make sure they know why. That you are our number one editor and producer. Our normal editor called in sick and Brett had to do the dirty. You know, I was maybe like two hours into this party. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm there... Weren't there like 600 people there or something? Yeah, it was packed to the gods and like looking around and you guys, you you guys know that I'm single. I hate saying it. It sounds like, it sounds like a disease. Like I've singled them. I like, like I've had it for two years. Like there's something wrong with me, you know? Hmm. But I go to the party partially because I'm like, oh, well, who am I? Maybe I'll meet someone cool. You never know. Yeah. But 
<clears throat> I was sitting down and I just had this epiphany and I said it to our friend Kay and, and Kay just started laughing so hard because they were like, you're insane. <laughs> but then I was like, no, wait, listen. I said, you know what? I think I'm just addicted to narrative. And Kay was like, what do you, what do you mean? What are you saying? I'm like, no, like. Okay, walk me through that. You're addicted okay. to narrative in what way? I'm addicted to narrative in that I am not having a good time at this party mm -hmm. because my expectations of the party is for there to be a beginning, middle, and end. Got it. For me to experience stress and then for me to experience inciting incident, uh -huh. plot, climax, turning point, just for me to experience this narrative arc to for me to experience the hero's journey on a miniature level mm -hmm. with everything that i do because i think that i'm the main character everybody thinks they're the main character though a hundred percent and when i realized this i was somewhat freed from it i was like oh my god like we consume so many dramatized reenactments of familiar scenarios right like going to a party which perpetuate the myth about what it's like to go to a party mm -hmm. or what it should be like to go to a party and then when we actually go to a party and it doesn't look it's not constructed because it's life and and there isn't like you meet somebody and you guys hit it off and like you don't have when you don't experience the narratives that are being fed to you by media mm -hmm. whether that's movies tv shows whatever you think there's something wrong with you uh. and there is something wrong with you and that thing is that you think life is narrative mm, but life mm -hmm. is a meditation that's a good word right yeah. i was just like i like and i was so freed when i was like oh i'm doing everything right what is wrong is my expectation for mm, narrative mm -hmm. and my addiction to narrative like we're all addicted to narrative like i'm gonna go to this thing because i think something will happen right and i will be propelled on some journey from sad to happy mm -hmm. you know from incomplete to complete we're all looking to go from our starting position to the finish line yeah but there is no fucking finish line there is just simply existing and like it's okay to just exist and to just observe and like fear not like you're not failing because you are at peace because because nothing is happening you know like i always am like fuck like nothing's happening you know what i mean like if i feel like stagnant in yeah. any way i'm like am i not gonna succeed and always looking to draw these like false conclusions based on my perception of stasis or my and my perception that like life should not be static or you know life should and it's like no 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 that's just literally called life that's just stability life is yeah. full of change and stasis but like parties are not always these environments where you're supposed to experience a narrative mm -hmm. it's also like this addiction to like needing to feel special mm. and i think parties that bring out how unspecial you are can also i mean i'm sorry I am can bring out that like basic fear that like I'm not enough and sure, yeah. like you know just brings out like the lack of self-worth mm -hmm. and I don't think that's unique to me like I no. think I also have an incredibly high self-esteem but it doesn't mean like I don't have insecurities sure. and those I insecurities mean, aren't hello. exacerbated yeah. hello I'm human so I just wanted to say stop being so addicted to narrative Allie <laughs>
So what I'm taking away is we're all expecting too much. We're expecting. Or the wrong things. We're expecting. We're expecting a scripted experience. Mm -hmm. And we're expecting that scripted experience to reflect the hero's journey. And it's like. Don't do that. Be like the Buddha. Like just be with what is. And what is might be just like you're at a party where lots of people are giving off lots of different energy. And it's Mm -hmm. overwhelming. And there's no such thing as like cool or like loser or like there's just there's just talking and that's literally it and not talking and not talking yeah there's just talking and not talking and right now we are talking now, right now we're talking yeah but i did hear in a yoga class the other day uh-huh. uh, she was quoting some pianist and like someone was asking the pianist how he was so good or whatever and he was like i'm no better than any other musician i only know the power of the silences between each note hmm. and with that this episode is over <laughs> <laughs> Book is canceled. We're actually not going to do the rest of the book. We're just going to stop here. Just I need to have some very upset listeners. We've come too hands. far. Last week, if I remember correctly, you said you were going to tell me something about something quantum in one way or another. So I think it's time we pull up our chairs and get ready for... Big true. I want you to go first. All right, guys. <laughs> do you feel like i'm doing a good cartman i was gonna ask is it cartman it's yeah i'm trying my big of true comes from sarah wells over at popular mechanics okay you guys know what gravity is heard of her in classical mechanics mm-hmm. we're able to say okay gravity is this f- now i'm doing julia child a bit gravity is this fundamental interaction with co- which causes mutual attraction between all things with mass and energy. Mm-hmm. Gravity is by far the weakest of the four fundamental interactions. Got it. Gravity is pretty strong. Gravity is pretty strong as far as we experience it. And yeah. we experience gravity, like we experience the direct effects of gravity a lot more readily in our lives. But also even like you saying that as that statement of fact that like gravity is the weakest of these forces. But you say that and I think about it and I'm like, oh, that does actually make sense because the gravity of the earth isn't pulling my protons apart. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Makes so much sense. Not even close. Like we've never seen that. Mm-hmm. As a result of gravity being exactly as you just said. The weak baby. It has no significant influence at the level of subatomic particles. Oh. Gravity has the most significant interaction between objects at the macroscopic scale, right? Mm-hmm. The motion of planets, stars, galaxies, even light. This makes gravity actually one of the least understood of the four forces. Okay. Our understanding of gravity has undergone some updates. You know, we start mm-hmm. with Newton's take on the movements of the planets and apples falling from the tree to Einstein's theory of general relativity and space-time but there is a physicist at caltech and she's a theoretical physics professor at caltech actually named katherine zurich and her work focuses on dark matter but also the observational signals of quantum gravity so anyway the big question here Mm -hmm. is how do we understand gravity's laws at the quantum level and moreover how do we find a theory that unites the laws of the macrosphere and the quantum right like how can we have as far as we can tell there's just like 
we don't understand a unified theory of gravity. Of everything, yeah. And so she's on a search for a verifiable theory of quantum gravity. And she's she's on a hunt to offer a single theory to explain everything in our universe, right? And she is joined forces with a Fermi lab team that is developing a type of experiment called Gravity from Quantum Entanglement of Space-Time, also known as G-Quest. Okay. They're trying to find a theoretical particle called the graviton oh sick right Uh so scientists are fairly confident that a quantum explanation of gravity should exist right like if we see it on the macro level yeah why where is it interacting with the quantum level yeah because like the higgs boson explained on the quantum level why mass is a thing exactly so So it should have gravity but we're not seeing the effect of gravity Mm -hmm. on subatomic particles in the standard model of particle physics a model that explains all fundamental forces except gravity Mm -hmm. forces are carried out by specialized particles cue the higgs boson following this logic physicists have proposed that gravity should have its own particle as well which they've dubbed the graviton but trying to incorporate the existence of the graviton into a picture of subatomic particle with the existing math has led to just like impossible unending equations it's a mess yeah anyways long story short like i don't even honestly brett like i don't even know that it's important for me to explain to you the experiment they're doing (laughs) because i just like just know that they're trying to find some type of proof of a particle that might be responsible for gravity and it has to do with shooting some photons between mirrors Whoa. yeah as they are trying to like figure out how like the graviton fits into the atom mm-hmm. there's a lot of different theories but one of them involves string theory okay which we love developed in the late 60s comes in many different flavors the general idea is that the universe is made up of 10 dimensions sometimes more only four of which making up space and time as we understand it the remaining dimensions are a type of unseen scaffolding in this multi-dimensional model very small objects and i'm quoting the article here called strings replace particles and they look like little rings and as you said they sh- this should really be called ring theory agreed these strings resonate like plucked guitar strings at different frequencies mm-hmm. in accordance with different fundamental particles so i think there this is one of the theories is that gr- the graviton is actually one of these strings oh. and it's so goddamn small as we'll find out in this chapter like a single proton there are a billion protons on a single cilium on a bacteria mm-hmm. so it's like just like we really can't fathom how small this is yeah. another conclusion we can draw from string theory is that gravity might not even be strictly speaking like real in the same way that like heat is not real it's our experience of our body sensing the speed of air molecules around us right. and we experience it as higher heat. or lower energy yeah yeah so gravity could also be one of these things where we're actually experiencing it's our bodies experiencing the quantum entanglement of particles across dimensions Whoa. yeah anyways pretty freaking cool that right is cool so the search continues for quantum gravity and an explanation as to you know what it is and where it is and how it works and in Zurich's G Quest, mm-hmm. they'll be using incredibly precise measurements, as always. <laughs> 
I'm like, okay. Yeah. Whenever someone says incredibly precise measurements, I'm like, that doesn't sound very precise, actually. The researchers are going to look for small fluctuations in the path of photons as they pass between mirrors. Okay. These perturbations or disturbances may be the effect of gravitons. Researchers hope to observe these kinds of effects within the next five to ten years. They think that maybe they'll be able to see the quantum nature of gravity in this type of experiment with this type of measurement. It's kind of vague, but I, I buy it. And maybe it'll lead to a major leap in our understanding of how quantum mechanics and gravity come together. That's cool. And that's my big of true. That is big of true. Because like if it, if it, I guess, is proven true and we can then measure on like an even actual greater, I say greater, but I mean much smaller scale, the thing that causes gravity ultimately then, you know, theoretically could give us mastery over that thing as it gets integrated into engines, into, you know, who knows? There's so much tech that could probably benefit from having the ability to control gravity. I know. It's really nice also doing these big of true segments because then I learn what is plaguing the scientific community Mm -hmm. and like what i'm not stupid for not understanding yeah it's like i'm like what's quantum gravity and it's like no they don't fucking know know. (laughs) like like they're trying to figure it out themselves wild that's that's my bit what about you the story comes to us from peter carlson and this story from the washington post is called ike and the alien ambassadors Mm -hmm. and it details the alleged meeting between president dwight eisenhower and two races of extraterrestrials okay according to michael sala who is a former american university professor who now runs the peace ambassador program at au's center for global peace in 1954 president dwight eisenhower was interrupted during his vacation in palm springs california to make a secret trip at night to a nearby air force base to meet with two extraterrestrials terrestrial alien species no reports conflict some say that eisenhower had a dentist appointment but i'm just like couldn't he have done that when he finished wasn't on vacation playing golf who's gonna leave playing golf to like go get a filling or something this is urgent it's a root canal it has to happen right now sala believes the trip to the dentist office is just the cover story and that eisenhower actually went to edwards air force base where he met with these ets and the first race is described as having white hair pale blue eyes and colorless lips so like immediately i'm like my ex-boyfriend they were nicknamed the nordics because of their visual similarity to scandinavian people who's translating between them here's the thing sala says these Nordics specifically traveled to Earth from another star system to speak with a president, and they landed in America, so they spoke with the American president. Convenient. But not speak like how you and I speak. Like... No. Quoting him here, he says, there was telepathic communication. Uh, It's as though you're hearing a person speak, but they're not speaking. It's inside your head. There's no language needed. Because it's telepathic. Insane. And that makes sense because language does seem like an extremely limiting, earthbound sort of analog. And you might be asking yourself, okay, so if these extraterrestrials do actually exist and they traveled to america and they somehow got the audience of the american president in secret without being seen why come from another star system what could a race of beings with the ability to travel the cosmos possibly want from the human president on earth Mm -hmm. i'm hoping you'll tell me salah says the nordics wanted america to destroy its nuclear arsenal saying that every time a nuclear bomb was detonated that it fundamentally harmed the fabric of space-time and that 
if America agreed to the proposal, they were planning on sharing all of their technological advances and their spiritual knowledge with humans. Huh. Of course, Eisenhower declined because, like, what president is going to be like, sure, we'll take all of them down. They're like, is this some sort of, is this guy Russian? Or... Well, it was like on the doorsteps <laughs> of the Cold War, you right. know? So it's not like, of course, that's not going to happen. I wonder how atomic bombs could be affecting the fabric of space time. It is interesting, and I'm curious to know if. So and how? Yeah. Sala says that sometime later in 1954, because this took place in February, the meeting with the Nordics. Later that year, Eisenhower was visited again, but not by the Nordics, because I guess they were kind of pissed that he declined no their offer. <laughs> They're like, deal and or no deal. This time, he was visited by a race of aliens nicknamed the Greys, who we think of, I guess, when you typically think of aliens, like... The Roswell. Bulbous-shaped head, big eyes, gray skin, kind of short, like three-ish feet tall. And they were offering the same level of technological advances, but here's the kicker. They couldn't give a fuck about the nuclear bombs. Wait, go on. No, go ahead. Ask You ask first. I was going to say, just thinking about, like, if, if the Greys on their planet mm-hmm. have movies... And they have, like, these alien invasion movies, but all the aliens look like humans. I mean. Weird, though. Weird. Because to us, all the greys kind of look similar. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure to them, the humans would look similar. I wonder. That's just crazy. Yeah. We are aliens. Wild to think about. What the greys wanted, because they're like, keep your nukes. We don't care. They wanted to abduct cows and humans for medical experiments and studies, provided that they return the humans safely to where they found them. Which we know reports of. To which, reportedly, Eisenhower agreed. According to Sala, who is doing his own independent extraterrestrial research outside of his official capacity as professor at American University, by his count, millions of humans have been abducted and returned just from firsthand accounts of people speaking out about their experiences. Interesting to me, though, about this whole thing, because obviously, like, I'm looking at this with a heavy skeptical eye, thinking like... Like, okay, I don't believe it. When asked about this whole situation, the National Archives said, you know, like, we're aware of this theory and we'll check our records. And when they checked the records for the day that this reportedly took place, when Eisenhower was like, quote unquote, at the dentist, Mm -hmm. no such meetings on any Air Force bases take place. Okay. But also, like, why would they exist in like a public archive if something is like of that big of a consequence? Yeah, Yeah, like, that's not going to, it's going to have to be like FOIA'd. And even when you get it it's still going to be redacted kind of thing yeah but wouldn't be the first time on the day that he was reported to be at this dental visit no dental records exist from that day either bringing the entire situation into question also i thought very interesting and also very sus about the whole thing on the night that the meeting with the extraterrestrials allegedly happened the associated press reported quote president eisenhower died tonight of a heart attack in palm springs what two minutes later the ap retracted that bulletin and reported that president eisenhower was in fact still alive so like what's with that what what yeah. Any theories on that? I mean, you could get into a whole invasion of the body snatchers type thing. Like, was Eisenhower replaced with an alien? I'm not making that claim, but like, I... would make a fun movie. That's wild. And it just led me down the line of thinking, because I mean, specifically over the past couple of weeks, UFOs, UAP, sightings of things that we don't really know the nature of have been all over the news media. And it just led me to think of like, you know, even if we don't ever know what these things are, 
are, you know, and we've talked about it before, the military has technology that we'll never know about how advanced it is that they have to probably test on people at home to see if it's even effective for its cloaking abilities, its like believability, that kind of thing. And it led me to think about the advances that are made by DARPA. Do you know about DARPA? DARPA. Defense. Defense. Don't tell me. No, no. See, I'm thinking it's D-H-A-R-P-A. No, no, D-A-R-P-A. Oh, not like Dharma. No, not like the Dharma Initiative. Okay, the defense against real problems in the air. Kind of. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Okay. It's a research and development agency that's part of the United States Department of Defense, and they're responsible for the development of emerging technologies specifically for use by the military. That's very, like, Batman. Big time. Yeah. Like, we're talking, like, the nano razor thin cutting edge of tomorrow's technology. But something that I thought was interesting, because this whole thing about Eisenhower potentially meeting with extraterrestrials. DARPA, founded in 1958 by President Dwight Eisenhower, just four years after the alleged alien encounters. That's weird. Yeah, so I find it highly interesting that a wing of the American Department of Defense specializing in advanced research for the military is founded just relatively moments after the president met with allegedly an alien species promising to give over knowledge of advanced technology. That's very suspicious. Big if true. Big if true. I like to believe it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I want to believe. Yeah. I want to believe. Don't stop believing. I won't. Do you believe that I met with Grace? I believe it. Big if true. Yeah. Start. Two. One. Booster ignition and liftoff of the space listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett, and on today's episode, the Trisolaran fleet is still far from Earth, but we learn they have sent two probes that will keep humanity from making any scientific advances in the meantime. Don't be worried. How much damage can two protons do? Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. So this week we have entered chapter thirty titled Two protons. Chapter 30 starts back up kind of like the transcript from the interrogation room. This again? Yeah, I know. It's your favorite format. Essentially a dialogue between Ye Wenji and the interrogator. And it's all, I'm assuming, on the record. And the interrogator starts up and he's like, and I realize we actually never learned the gender of the interrogator, but we assumed male, but yeah, now I'm kind of like, is it a woman? But yeah, I'll go back. I'll, I'll be switching genders. <laughs> great. I mean, gender is, gender fluid, is a spectrum. So, great. so our interrogator is like, so yay. When G can I ask you a few more questions? And yeah, when G is like, well, I'm already under arrest. So I guess why not? Mm-hmm. He or she says, so among the messages that Tri Solaris sent to earth, 
what were the contents of those intercepted by the Adventists? You may remember that Evans, Mike Evans, he's an Adventist, right? Mm -hmm. The Adventists. They're the Avengers. They hate humanity. And Mike Evans built this second Red Coast base on this barge in the middle of the ocean where they were able to receive messages from, you know, I mean, they confirmed, they said themselves. Yeah. But it turns out they were also keeping some of those messages to themselves and and monopolizing some communication, which is also very in line with the way chapter 29 ended, Mm -hmm. referencing that like fake scholar from the Rand Corporation, Bill Mathers, who talked about contact as symbol and how like the the content itself of the contact was irrelevant that ultimately the results would be the same and he gets into like the monopolization of contact and the advancements that would come yeah like whoever does it first stands to benefit the most exactly and that's what we're seeing here so yes the interrogator's curious what were the messages intercepted by the adventists but Yewen G has no idea. She's like, they really kept a tight lid on it. Like, I only know that they withheld some messages, but I don't even know what they said. Got it. Which, damn, I wonder, like, I mean, she was the commander. Yeah, but I mean, we know something else that came up last week. They didn't really bother her with the day-to-day operations. They really just looked to her as like a spiritual leader leader and figurehead. Symbol, yeah, yeah figurehead. So, I mean, a for, symbol of this movement. Yeah, so I mean, I guess in a way, the title of Commander-in-Chief sounded like it was going to be a good gig, but then like when she's embodying the role, it's like, but I don't really have anything to do. Yeah, you're right. I was like curious because you would think though like she would have some close consorts, cohorts? Maybe. In the organization. And, and as with any sort of extreme extremist faction you have defectors mm-hmm. who then spill secrets so i was just like are we sure that yewenji doesn't know the interrogator's like okay well then okay so after you realize the adventists were monopolizing contact with trisolaris did you build a third red coast base hmm. and she's like yeah no we we were but then we stopped and he's like why and she's like well because after we just built the receiver we realized there were no more messages coming from the alpha centauri star system at all Wow. Not on any frequency. And I'm sitting there reading this and I'm like, wow, I wonder why. My guess, personally, is that maybe their planet was finally destroyed. Consumed. consumed by the sun. That's my first thought. Right? The interrogator is like, so you're saying four years ago was the last time any of you heard from them. That Trisolaris decided to end all communication with Earth. Mewenji's like, well, yeah. And that only makes what the Adventists intercepted all the more important. She's like, if only I knew. Wow. Okay, he says, well, let's talk about something you do know more about. Mike Evans. He lied to you then? Is that correct? Yeah, he was like, I wouldn't say he lied to me per se, but he never really revealed the full extent of his hatred and contempt for the human race. I mean, I knew he was into pan-species communism, but I didn't realize that his resentment of the human race would lead him to make the destruction of the human race his ultimate goal. Yeah, got it. And that made me think, okay, wait, so Ye actually didn't want to destroy the human race. She just wanted foreign intervention to help the human race or whatever. Yeah, she She saw no way out by humanity's means alone. Exactly. The interrogator's like, okay, let me get this straight. So the current composition of the ETO is the Adventists who want to destroy the human race through aliens, the Redemptionists who worship the alien race as a god, and the survivors who want to buy their own survival by betraying other humans. Mm. None of these fall in line with your vision of alien intervention to reform humanity. And Yewenji's like, I started the fire, but I couldn't control how it burned. Mm. Dun, 
dun, dun, dun, dun, dun. So why didn't you remove the Adventists from the organization? Yeah. Coup the second Red Coast base. Yeah, he says it, it would be far too risky. They held the last communications from Trisolaris on their computers. If they were to get cooed and they knew that they were going to lose, they would certainly delete the correspondences and we would lose all of the communications that had been received from Trisolaris. Losing that would be like losing the Bible to Christians or the Quran to Muslims. Like these, these are sacred texts. These are the direct communications, the Ten Commandments, if you will, you know, from the Lord of the Redemption. So she wasn't going to be able to convince the redemptionists, which is like a huge, the other, you know, faction, like let's overthrow the Adventists and, you know, coup the second Red Coast base. One also such a scientist, just like preserve the data, even if it means allowing them to stay when they're potentially about to cause a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. I guess she had no copies and of course, certainly no copies of those intercepted messages. And that is why the second Red Coast base, aka Judgment Day, Mm -hmm. had been left alone. You call them, you know, your lord i take it you are a redemptionist then says the interrogator she's like no no it's, it's just a habit and i'd rather not even get into that which i kind of understand it's yeah. like if you don't get it you don't get it when people like don't get it when it comes to like spirituality or it's just moot. like it's moot yeah and just as i said the interrogator is like surely you must have heard a rumor of what those intercepted messages contained and yay is like i really didn't i don't know what to tell you sorry I, I just didn't and it's just like come on girl give us nothing plausible deniability <laughs> you know? I mean good for her she certainly has no lawyer present but she doesn't seem to care as we know she's done her duty mm-hmm. okay says the interrogator well do you think that Trisolaris communicated any information about maybe advanced technologies he's just like trying to like spitball some things that maybe she'll catch on to right mm-hmm. she's like no that's stupid of course they wouldn't fucking communicate that he's like why not she's like I mean think about the risk of it getting into the wrong hands yeah like yours mm. she's literally like they don't want anyone to have that kind of information here on earth and while i'm at it fuck 12 <laughs> straight up so he's like so you're telling me that the only thing they ever sent to earth were radio transmissions she goes almost yeah almost almost okay and he's like what do you mean almost and she's like, well, you know, they sent two tiny probes. But listen, those two tiny probes are only one one hundredth of the way here, considering that the Trisolarian civilization is only capable of space travel one tenth the speed of light. Mm-hmm. And he's like, wait a second. All right. I mean, I'm no scientific expert, but I can do math here. I mean, actually, he can't do math. He has a little earpiece in where someone Got who it. can do math is asking The scientist questions. is like behind the two-way mirror. Literally. Uh, yeah. The man behind the curtain. The great and powerful Oz. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, well, if the Trisolarian fleet is capable of traveling one-tenth the speed of light, you say, then shouldn't they be here in 40 years and not 400 years? Mm. Yeah, he's like, clever. Here's the thing. Joe, can I call you Joe? <laughs> he's like, no, that's not my name. She's like, well, listen, Joe, the interstellar fleet is composed of incredibly massive spaceships Mm -hmm. and accelerating these gigantic spaceships is an incredibly slow process one tenth of the speed of light is their maximal speed yes but they can't cruise at this speed for a very long time they need to decelerate or they'll 
go right past Earth. Ah, uh, okay. Right? Yeah. Like, as you said. Makes sense. Everything in space yeah. is also moving. Yeah. So you have to slow down and approach. And you have to slow down far well enough in advance to be able to eventually break. It's like coming to a stop sign to make a turn. Literally. You yeah. cannot stop short. It won't work. They will fly past. Like, imagine going too fast, pumping the brakes, but it's too late. You've got way too much momentum and you're just going to fly right past Earth. So they have to slow down, like, light years in advance. Mm-hmm. Not only that, she says, but their fuel source is matter-antimatter annihilation. Ooh, and I'm okay. just like, okay, Water. sustainable energy. Yeah, seriously. Much. She's like, basically, the front of these spaceships has a funnel-shaped electromagnetic field that is scooping up antimatter and annihilating that antimatter to create energy. I'm seeing like a space whale feeding on like space krill. krill. Totally. Really makes you think about the future of our own. I'm, I'm like, Cixin Liu is visionary. So they have this spaceship that is scooping up antimatter in space, which takes a while. So the acceleration of these spaceships occurs in spurts, followed by long periods of coasting and fuel collecting. Got it. And that is why it takes their fleet 10 times longer than the flight time of a small probe. Mm. What do you mean? What do you mean by this? Why? Right? Where did you elucidate me? Yeah. And Ye Wenji is like, well, we learned this six years ago that the Trisolarian stellar system accelerated two hydrogen nuclei, aka two protons, to near the speed of light. Okay. Because they're so tiny. They can be essentially propelled closer to the speed of light and shot them toward our solar system. They arrived here on Earth two years ago. So they sent them six years ago. Got it. They arrived. They went at the speed of light and arrived. Took them four years to travel and two years ago they arrived. The interrogator's like, okay, I'm sorry. So they sent two protons. That's almost nothing. Right. She's like, yeah. Keyword being almost. Two protons is practically nothing. I mean, even a single cilium, as I said before, on a bacteria would have several billion protons. What's the point here? And she says, it's a lock. Excuse me? A lock? A lock? Yeah, a lock. Okay. What are they locking? They're sealing off the advancement of human progress. Because of these two protons, humanity will not be able to make any major scientific developments for the 450 years it takes for the Trisolarian fleet to get here. Evans once said, actually, that the day that those protons arrived was the day that human science failed. Whoa. How can that be, says I. Yeah, because of protons? (laughs) Yeah, I really, I don't know. And you know what? Yewenji doesn't know either. She says, I really don't know. But in the eyes of Trisolaris, we humans are not even primitive savages. We are bugs. And that is where the interrogation ends. So this interrogation has just ended sitting on the other side of this two-way mirror you know with the scientist who's like feeding this interrogator all the right questions to ask the clock strikes midnight and we are met by last from the past wang meow oh ding yi ding yi these two guys have both been invited to witness this entire interrogation so the whole time ye has been talking to this interrogator they've just been watching and just sort of like either already knowing the things that are being said or kind of being like shocked and horrified 
terrified through the entire thing. I'm sorry. And Ding Yi, just as a reminder, is that it's the fiance Yang of the late Yang ex-fiance. Dong? Fiance, daughter of da- Ye Wenjie, almost son-in-law. Yeah. So these two guys have been invited to watch all of this because of, in Wang Miao's case, his helpfulness to the case in bringing all of the ETO members in to custody in the first place, and in Ding Yi's case because he was like literally engaged to Ye Wenji's daughter. So it's like, uh, you sh- your mother-in-law is like getting arrested. You, you, you should, should probably you come should down come here. In. And so hearing all of this, Wang turns to Ding and he's like, Ding, do you believe what she's saying? And Ding's like, uh, I don't know. Do you? And Wang is kind of torn because on one hand, he's like, well, I mean, think about it. Everything that's been happening is insane numbers that i've been seeing everywhere i fucking look numbers 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 in my eyes numbers 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 in my workplace i was waiting for the second verse you can't do the first without the second <laughs> and the confirmation of trisolarans existing and being on their way to earth he's like yeah that's all nuts but two protons stopping all of scientific progress i don't know if i buy that that seems a little too far-fetched even for me but believability aside ding is looking at this whole thing from an astrophysical perspective because i mean the last time we saw them they were playing pool and talking about quantum physics as they were playing right right never forget ding is like wang how about this why don't we just stay focused on the fact of how insane this all is in the first place the tri Solarans shot two protons to Earth from over four light years away. Do you know how insane that accuracy is? Oh, shit. I mean, yeah, just thinking back to the pool table analogy, which was the whole reason why they were shooting pool in Dingy's apartment. Like, remember, they were knocking a ball into the pocket as a metaphor for shooting these, like, tiny subatomic particles. Particle collisions, yeah. And and how there was no way to know, like, what would happen after. I mean, like, the uncontrolled, sort of unpredictable... Chaos theory of it all. And so I'm sure, like, there's a bit of disbelief here that, like, they're shooting two protons, two billiard balls across... Four light years. Four light years of space time. And Ding is freaking out because between Earth and the Trisolaran system is an ocean of interstellar dust. I mean, we think of space. Space is a vacuum, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing there. And interstellar dust can be as small as an individual particle. And if you're sending a particle, if it bumps into another particle, that could alter its course. So they're accounting for interstellar dust, comets, other planets bodies what the fuck it could hit anything plus the trisolarian system and our solar system are both moving right so all of these things have been accounted for by the trisolarians and the protons arrive with no problem How? like that's insane explain this to me humans could obviously never they just have such advanced ways of accounting for where things are in space and i imagine too the way they go about that is like you know they're able to travel interstellar distances. So I'm assuming they probably also have also a superior knowledge and understanding of where things slash everything is in space at right. any given moment. They have like a superior FedEx DHL Pretty much. Express overnight. Ding is like, Wang, I want to put that into perspective for you. Shooting two protons for light years and having them arrive at their destination no problem would be like shooting a mosquito on Earth if you're standing on Pluto. 
That's so insane. It's an, it's astounding. That's so crazy. Wang's mind is blown. And Ding is like, this shooter's accuracy is unlike anything that has ever been seen before. Yeah. I almost can't believe it. Like, this is nuts. And then it's almost like that word is Wang's trigger. Shooter. Because his chest seizes. And, like, immediately those intrusive thoughts start taking over his mind. Shooter. Farmer. Shooter. Farmer. And Wang has to, like, snap himself out of it. And he's like, Ding, what do you think this all means? Tell me, Ding! I'm grabbing Ding by the fucking collar at this point. Like, Pushing him up against the yeah. mirror. What the fuck does this all mean? You can handle the truth. They talk a little bit about what they imagine protons and neutrons look like. And then they both kind of decide that, like, okay, effectively, because they're so small, I mean, they are subatomic particles. They're effectively just singular points in space like if you just drew a dot on a piece of paper that's effectively what a proton is but then ding is like yeah you're right i guess in a way but the points unlike a dot on a page are not two-dimensional inside them they still have structure so even though they would appear to us as a two-dimensional point they have layers to them that we're not able to just visualize with our methods I almost said eyes, but I mean like microscopes. Right. We're so blind. To be aware of. And this whole time, Ding is just like chain smoking cigarette after cigarette after cigarette. Okay. Standing in for Dashi. <laughs> and an idea dawns on him. So when he smokes his current cigarette down to the filter, oh, he holds it up to Wang and he's like, the proton is a lot like this filter, I think. Finally, a reason for all the smoking. And Ding's like, Wang, what does this cigarette butt look like to you? Let me guess. A quark? <laughs> No, no, sort of. A maybe. little too specific. Uh, like uh, just imagine you're looking at, I'm, I've taken the cigarette out of my mouth. Yeah. And I've turned it around so that now the part that was in my mouth is just facing you. Oh, okay. What does this look like to you? A circle. Wang's like a circle. <laughs> a point. A point. It looks like a point. And Ding's like, ding, 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 ding. One point for you. Literally. It looks like a point. But if you looked at this filter under a microscope, you would see that it is terribly complex. Right. If we were to tear this cigarette butt open and sort of like tease it out and spread it all out, the spongy matrix that's on the inside could easily be as big as a living room. It would be tiny, made of micro microfilaments, but if you spread all of it out, it could fill a space in someone's home. And he's like, Wang, by chance, do you smoke pipes? Wang's like, nah, just joints. Yeah, he doesn't actually smoke joints. Okay. He's like, I actually gave that up a long time ago. I don't smoke. Why? And Ding is like, well, I we're talking about cigarette filters, but I'm just having this thought also. The charcoal filter that's used inside tobacco pipes, similar to the cigarette filter, if you emptied out all the charcoal that's in the tobacco pipe filter and added it all together, its total absorbent surface area including all the microscopic holes that are inside each tiny little particle of charcoal, would be as big as a tennis court in total surface area, which is why charcoal is such an effective absorber of things. Because mm. you think about it, and we talked about last week, the train derailment in Ohio. When there's a gas in the air, you can't just use like a molecule air filter to get rid of the gas particles. You have to use a carbon trap filter to physically catch those particles inside the tiny crevices. Yeah. So it's like that's why they're using charcoal in tobacco pipes because there is so much surface area packed into those tiny little particles of carbon mm -hmm. that it makes them highly effective at filtering. And Wang's like, okay, but why are we talking about filters? Like, where is this going? And Ding's like, 
You still don't see it? You don't see what I'm telling you? No! The filters are three-dimensional, but the absorbent surfaces are two-dimensional. Hmm. With the filters, you can see that a very small, high-dimensional structure can contain a massive, low-dimensional structure. Oh. But then if we look at it on the macro, three spatial dimensions is our limit. So when you're looking at a cigarette filter, you're just going to see the filter. We're physically not small enough to perceive all the intricacies of all the tiny little two-dimensional surfaces that make up the inside that actually do the job that the filter was designed to do. And Ding is like, God really got stingy when he created us here by only giving us like three dimensions to inhabit because there's so much more that we're not even aware of. Like, it's kind of not fair. Mm -hmm. But Ding is like, the interesting thing about extra spatial dimensions is that everybody always thinks that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, da-da-da dimension would be bigger than the dimension that we inhabit. I'm freaking out. But they're all wrong. When we observe the micro, there are up to seven additional spatial dimensions. And when you add those seven tiny, tiny, tiny dimensions on the micro to our total of four, because remember, we count time as our fourth dimension. Right. There are a total of 11 dimensions. Hello? What? Thing is like fundamental particles all exist inside an 11 dimensional space time. Oh, my God. Galaxy brain. Oh, my God. That makes sense, I think. String theory. Yeah. Ding's like, I say all of that to say how advanced a civilization is depends on their mastery and their use of those micro dimensions. Because if you think about it, Ding is like, we can do it to an extent. We can light a fire. We can control chemical reactions. But all we're doing are manipulating the micro particles in the same dimension. We're not manipulating the micro dimensions themselves. We're just doing as much as we can. Damn. And then Ding really lays it out. He's like, of course humans have advanced. Like, I'm not saying that we're not making progress. I mean, the primitive fire eventually did become the steam engine and then the rocket engine and then the particle accelerator. We have computers and we have nanomaterials, but our limit has been reached because we haven't unlocked any of the micro dimensions. To an advanced civilization, they would see all of this exactly for what it is. They all inhabit the same dimension. All of our progress is happening all in three dimensions. Right. So it's like as advanced as we think we are. Honey, we're just. On the scale of what else exists, we're just barely scratching the surface of what could be possible. And Ding is like, no wonder they think of humans as bugs. Like, I would too. Like, fuck, I think they're right, actually. And so absorbing all of this, Wang is like, cool, 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 cool. Thanks for the TED Talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does this have to do with the protons that they send? Yes. What can the protons do? Like, they're protons. He's still, like, not able to. He's like, this. none of this makes sense. Even if those protons turned into pure energy and slammed into my finger, Ding, I wouldn't feel a thing. Like, what? what's the big deal? And Ding's like, Wang, even if those protons turned into pure energy and slammed into one of the cilium on one of the single bacterium in your stomach, the bacterium probably wouldn't even feel a thing. And Wang's like, okay, then for fuck's sake, what are you trying to say, Ding? Just out with it. Yeah. Ding takes a breath and he lets out a long sigh and he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know anything. I'm just a bug. No. What do bugs know? No. Wang's like, buddy, no. You're a physicist among bugs. (laughs) You know more than I do, at least. And when you heard about these protons, 
you weren't at a total loss, so like, please, just tell me what is the deal with these protons, or I promise you, I'm not gonna be sleeping tonight. Like, this is fucking me up, and it's kind of getting on my nerves that you're not just telling me what you obviously want to. Just tell me what you think it is! And Ding is like, Wang, if I tell you more, you really won't sleep tonight. Try to forget about it. Worrying is not going to solve anything. No. We, we should really just take a lesson from Wei Cheng and Da She. Just do the best that you can with whatever responsibility is yours. Take care of that and don't worry about the rest. Come on, let's go drink and go to sleep like good little bugs. No. And that's the end of the chapter. No. Ding Yi has had a realization about these protons that has fundamentally, like nearly, he's not suicidal, but like it has nearly destroyed his will to live. I'm hanging on to this clip by white knuckling yeah yep. y'all what so i'm curious do you have any theories about what the two protons why they're such a big deal no because no. I, I mean obviously you know. like it, I, it's been it's spoiled only- so i know because i've read the book but like ding kind of gave you a little bit of a clue a morsel about how a very small high dimensional structure can contain a massive low dimensional structure like how the filter of a cigarette is so small it's yeah. like you know like half of your pinky finger yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you stretched out and teased out all the material inside it technically it could fill probably a living room it could literally fill a living room you wouldn't be able to see it we're talking about like strands of individual particles that make up the material that is compacted together to make the filter of a cigarette oh. but it's there So how something that's very compact in the three-dimensional world can contain, like, multitudes of space. I wonder what's in the fucking... It's a a proton. Mm -hmm. It's a fucking proton. It's a lock. What are they locking? How are they locking in... Advancement. Advancement. Isn't it wild? What are they... Where's the locker room? You're sounding like Wang. I really feel like Wang. I'm like, all right. I guess I'll just have to go to bed and think about it and wait until next week to find out. Mm-hmm. Where are we going next week? Next week is Brett's favorite chapter. This is like for me when I was just like, oh, it is. So I've heard. On. I mean, I was already sold on this book. This next chapter is the moment where I was like, I immediately have to order the next two books and have to start reading them as soon as I finish no. this first one. Oh, yeah. Operation Gujang. Ooh. And the chapter begins. Don't worry. Ooh. Oh. Why is it that when anybody says don't worry, all it does is make me worry more? I know. Like, why is that always cold comfort? Just rest. Has been fun, but read, we are going to record and sleep and do exactly what we should as good little bugs with that that's our show for today if you haven't already we would be so grateful if you gave us a rating and a review on apple podcasts or on spotify if you want extra content that we don't really always have time for or just the occasional little side tangent or behind the scenes moment head to our patreon patreon.com slash radar peak that's right you can hear us talk all about chat gpt and ai and everything else we've promised that we're going to put up as a bonus episode it's all coming it's, it's all scheduled so all we be- hope you will join 
join us there for it. And in the meantime, I'm done saying words. So bye. Bye. You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at Radar Peak Pod. See you there.